beautiful song. All right. Christmas is all about Christ. As we have been spending our Christmas sermon time with the Apostle Paul, we find that he digs deeper than the manger and the shepherds, and he reveals in further detail who was born that day in Bethlehem. Today we're going to be looking in Colossians chapter 1, and it's probably the most Christological passage in the entire New Testament. And this passage really shouts to us the preeminence of Jesus Christ. In our message, we're going to entitle it a Colossian Christmas. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 19, you can follow along in your Bibles, or we have the scriptures up on the screen, you can follow that. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. Let's pray. Father, we bow in your presence, and the book is open before us. And Father, we just ask that you would open our heart. Take your precious word. Use it, Father, as a scalpel to cut away sin and self. And use it as a sword, Father, to cut through the hardness of our heart and speak to us. We pray, Father, that we would see the, the beauty and the majesty of Christ in this Christmas season. We pray in his name. Amen. Paul has been taking us very deep into the person that was born in the manger. We celebrate for Christmas. And so we thought we'd spend some Christmas time with Paul. We're going to look at this passage today and centered around the theme of the preeminence of Jesus Christ. He is exalted. The word preeminence means supreme. It means most important. It means first place. Any of you ever get first place in anything? You know, if they had an eating contest, I might be able to. Maybe you got first place in uh, some running race and they gave you a blue ribbon for that. Maybe you got first place in something that you made at a, at a wood shop or something. Or maybe you got first place because of a spelling bee or a math contest. I think some of you would be left out in those type of things. First place is a very important place. Well, I want to look at Jesus Christ as the preeminent, the first place of all people, all humanity. And we see this in the Colossian passage. First of all, Christ's preeminence with the Father in verse 15. Now, this is how the scripture describes him. First of all, he is the image of the invisible God. The word image there is the Greek word icon. And that word was used back in the Roman days because the coins that were minted had the image of Caesar stamped on it. It was called an icon. So when you looked at that, well, 
The average person couldn't see Caesar, but by looking at a coin, they could see what he looked like. Well, the word image or icon here conveys the meaning that Christ is whatever God is. He is spiritual, He's omnipotent, He's omniscient, He is holy, all the attributes of the eternal God. Men knew the Father because they had seen the incarnate Son. One time Jesus was talking to His disciples in John chapter 14 in the upper room, and Philip asked Him a question, and He said this, Philip said, show us the Father. (laughs) And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Martin Luther, great theologian of the past, wrote this, If anyone stands firm and right on that Jesus Christ is the true God and true man who died and rose again for us, all the other articles of the Christian faith will fall in place for him and firmly sustain him. But on the other hand, I've noticed that all errors, heresies, idolatries, offenses, abuses, and ungodlinesses in the church have originally arisen because this truth about Jesus Christ has been despised. In other words, Christ is the exact visible representation of the invisible God. He not only reflects God, he reveals God to us. In Hebrews chapter 1, it says, Who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Bible teacher Robert Morgan illustrates this principle, and he tells us that he once read of a great European cathedral whose ceilings were adorned with paintings of God. Have you ever been to Europe and seen all the cathedrals over there? It's, it's just like, you know, in, in America, it's like in the south, you go to Kentucky or Tennessee, there's a Baptist church on every corner. Well, there's a cathedral in Europe on every corner. There's so many of them, and they're beautiful. You go in there. Well, this one particular cathedral had a, a picture of God. Now, of course, we, we know what God looks like. God is a spirit. But it was beautiful. It was painted so wonderfully. But there was a problem, the cathedral was very narrow, and if any time you wanted to see it, you would hurt your neck by looking up. You know, I don't look up to a whole lot, but that would really hurt. So the rector of the cathedral had an ingenious idea. In order for people to see what was way up there, he put a mirror down on the floor, tilted just so that all you had to do was just look right there. And that's exactly what Jesus is. If you want to see God, You see Him reflected through the Lord Jesus Christ here. So that's what it means. He is the image of the invisible God. Notice what also it says here. In Him, all the fullness dwells. Well, that's that's kind of a a difficult thing to understand right offhand. Philip's translation puts it this way. It was in Him that the full nature of God chose to live. The Amplified Bible puts it this way, For it has pleased the Father that all the divine fullness, the sum total of the divine perfections, powers, and attributes should dwell in Him permanently. Where do you live? Now, some of you live in America, but I have to admit that some of you live in Canada, (laughs) and you're just here. And then some of you live in Miami, which is kind of a 
You never know where that is, you know. <laughs> and then if you would ask the question again, you'd probably say, well, I live in Florida. Or I live in Port Charlotte, Punta Gorda, one of the surrounding communities. Or you might give your physical address, that's where I live. Well, where does God live? Well, God lives in heaven, but more importantly, you see God in Jesus. He lives there. You know, it says here, in Him all the fullness dwells. You know, sometimes when you pour a cup of water, you know, you, you, you can pour it up almost to the top. I went into that wonderful coffee shop uh, that's called Circle K the other day. And, you know, it's very, very elite. <laughs> I went in there. How many of you really hate gas station coffee? I hate it. You know when they used to have the pots just sitting there for like two days, you know, and you poured it there? It was so thick. It was just terrible. I said, I stay away from the ones that are in the pots because you don't know how long they've been there. Well, the Circle K has got a brand new invention. I mean, you go in there and you push that and it brews your coffee right there. I can't hear it grinding the beans or anything, but it, it's supposed to be fresh and it's supposed to be fresh brewed per cup. Well, I pushed on the ounce thing, the medium one, and it got just a little bit. I says, well, I'm going to pay for this. I'm going to push it again. So I pushed it and got up a little bit for it. Well, then I had to stop it because it was going to overflow. You know, we want a full cup. But when you look at the Lord Jesus Christ, in all that He was, He was full of the divine fullness. Everything about God was in Christ. No, nothing diminished at all. He is preeminent with the Father. But I want you to notice something else in these verses. Christ is preeminent over the creation, verse 15. He is the firstborn over all creation. Now, when we read that word firstborn, we just think, okay, I've got some kids and I've got grandkids and I know which one was born first because they never let us forget it. You know, I am the firstborn. That means I'm the boss of you kids. My oldest daughter made sure those other siblings knew that she was the boss. She was kind of the assistant mother of all them. That's firstborn and the firstborn grandkids and so on. But that's not what the word here means. In scripture, the word firstborn means preeminent one. The one's the most important. Now, like David, he had uh, other sons, but it was Solomon who wasn't his firstborn son, but Solomon became the preeminent one. Now, the, this idea of firstborn does not mean the first created being. Since Jesus Christ is the creator of all things, he couldn't have been the first one born. <clears throat> the firstborn means that it's a title above every title. Arius, who was an early church heretic, used the firstborn of creation, this verse, to argue that Jesus was the highest created being, but not equal with God. In Arius' words, there was a time when he was not. The modern followers of Arius are the Jehovah Witnesses, and they do the same thing. Jehovah Witnesses wrongly add the word other six times in this passage in their New World Translation. Thus, they suggest that Christ created all the other things after He was created. But the word other is not in the Greek text at all. So they are deliberately adding to the Word of God. You know what the Bible says about that. God shall add to you the plagues that are written therein. 
So he is the firstborn. And then it just simply says, he is the creator of all things. He is, all things were created by him. Jesus Christ was there. All things were created through him, and all things were created for him. You think this earth was made just for us to enjoy? No, it was made for the Lord Jesus. Everything was made for him. You know, a lot of times uh, we, we think that, um, that this God the Father was the only one involved in creation. But if you look at this verse, he created all things. John chapter 1, the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God, and everything that was made was made by him, the Word, Christ. And also in Hebrews, it, it talks through whom the Father made the universe. So the Son is involved in creation, the Father is involved in creation, and in Genesis it also the Spirit moved upon the face of the water. So all three members of the Trinity were involved in the creation process of this world. He is the Creator. And it also says He is before all things. You say, well, how can Christ be before all things if He was born in a certain day a little over 2,000 years ago? Of course, we know that He existed with the Father. As a matter of fact, Jesus was teaching in John chapter 8. A bunch of Pharisees were listening to Him. And He said to them, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see My day. And He saw it and was glad. Now, they're doing the math here, and they look at this guy, and they say, then the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? They're, they're thinking, you know, Abraham was about the year 2000, so 2,000 years before, you know, and he's saying, I seen Abraham, saw my day. Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. He was telling them that he is the eternal, pre-existent God. And you know what they did? When he said, I am, they looked around, they started picking up stones. They were getting ready to throw stones at him, showing that they understood that he was declaring himself to be God, and they were going to annihilate him right there for blasphemy. Of course, it's not blasphemy if you are God, and you're saying that. But then he miraculously disappeared out of their sight. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. That's an interesting word. Other translations put it this way all things hold together. This is similar to Hebrews 1 3, which asserts that Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. It means that if Jesus decided to let go, the entire universe would disintegrate. He is the one that literally holds this, these systems and this planet together. I know a lot of people are worried. They're worried that we're going to destroy this planet. I know we can do a lot of harm. We need to take care of this planet. We need to be good stewards of it. But there's no way on earth we're going to destroy this planet because Jesus is holding it together. As a matter of fact, he tells us that the elements will melt with fervent heat, but the earth will be destroyed, will be renovated by fervent heat at the judgment of God, not by the stupidity of man. Well, I tell you, that's, that's encouraging to me. I remember one time when I was a little kid, when uh, we were in Clinton, Indiana, and it got the rain, the rain was in the, the streets, and coming up into the houses, I began to think, oh my goodness, we're going to have another Noah's flood. 
And then someone says, no, no, no. You don't have to worry about the world being destroyed by a flood. He says, why not? Well, God said, I'll never destroy the world by a flood again. And he put a rainbow in the sky just to remind us of his promise. And for some reason, that just comforted me. And you know, a lot of times back in the 50s and 60s, people were worried that um, nuclear war would destroy the planet. Well, hey, you know, we can do some things, but we can't destroy this planet and annihilate it because Jesus is holding things together until he decides it's the right time. Oh, well, I'll get off my soapbox. Just right there. There, I got off my soapbox. Now I'll get to preaching again. Oh, wait. Number three. Well, we've seen that Christ is preeminent with the Father. Christ is preeminent over creation. And here we see Christ is preeminent to the church, verse 18 and 19. <clears throat> and he is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. He is the head of the body. There are many metaphors used in Scripture that describe the church. It's called, first of all, a family. You know, I hope that you look at church that way. I do. I look at church that way. I, I, I know that many of you relate to each other, and you come and you look at this place as your, your family away from family. Oh, we, we need our human relatives and things, but this is a, there's a bond here. We have the same blood, the blood of Jesus, that unites us all together. And we need to encourage each other, and we need to pray for each other. We need to and counsel each other and, and warn each other. That's what a family does, you know? He just, well, hey, just let them do their own thing. No, a family cares for each other. Used of a church. Another th word is the kingdom. It's also used as a vineyard, as a flock, a flock. You know, we're a flock of sheep. You know, we, we need to relate to one another because we need to follow our shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we need to be direct, we need to be fed, we need to, to be cared for, just like Psalm 23 talks about. We're not a herd, we're a flock. The Bible also uses the, the symbol of a building to describe the church, and we're all little parts of that building growing up to, to uh, glorify the Lord. We're also the bride, the bride of Christ. But the most profound, one image, a metaphor that has no Old Testament equivalent is that of a body, a body. Christ is the head. Now, when he says that, it's not the head of a company, but a living organism. And one of the things that I really get a kick out of is seeing the body work and seeing how different people are gifted different ways. Some of them have teaching talent, singing talent. Some of you have... Uh, talents just to counsel and encourage and just help people financially. Sometimes you have a, a talent of just bringing people in and doing events. And as every one of us get involved in this body and doing our part, it's a beautiful function. But we, the one thing that we want to make sure we understand is that Jesus Christ is the head. He's the boss. He's the one that we focus all of our attention on. He's the one that gives us our direction. And if we don't 
do this for His honor and His glory. We're just a corporation or just a social organization. We're not, we're not the body of Christ. So Christ is preeminent to the church. He's the head of the body, but also He is the firstborn from the dead. Notice what it says there. Firstborn from the dead. Now that, that uh, word, again, sometimes causes a little bit confusion. Jesus' resurrection was not the first person raised in the Bible. In the Old Testament, there was people raised from the dead. Elijah and Elijah, remember those uh, incidents when they were raised from the dead. But this word refers that the most important resurrection from all, of all time, is Jesus Christ. Why? Because, Because of His resurrection, you and I have hope. We two will have a resurrection of our body. You know, if, if this world was all we had, all the work, all of the labor, all of the time that we spend here, 70, 80, 90, maybe some of you are kind of getting past that age, but that's still just a drop in the bucket. And if all you have is just to, to live and breathe and eat and die, wouldn't that, that, that is just worthless. It's just the Bible even says that if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most miserable. But we have more. Jesus Christ rose from the grave, and because of that, we too will rise again. We have a life beyond this life. We have an existence beyond this existence. We have a home beyond this home prepared for us in the heavens. And that gives us hope that when <coughs> we leave this world, there is a better place with a better person, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is preeminent to the church. He's the firstborn from the dead, and also because of that, He must have the preeminence. <coughs> the Amplified Bible puts this verse 18 this way, so that He alone in everything and in every respect might occupy the chief place, stand first and be preeminent. The NIV says, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Weymouth translates this. In order that he himself may in all things occupy the foremost place. This was the purpose for God sending his son as the incarnate savior of the world creator, head of the church, so that he would be supreme. Verses in Corinthians says, whether therefore you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. There's some unusual things happening during the Christmas holiday season. I, I hear that there is a rash of people that for one reason or another are stealing baby Jesus from the manger scenes around the country. They're stealing him. For what purpose? I have no idea. People were arrested in different places for stealing. I, I, I heard that this uh, person in Wellington, Florida, had in a community center on the lawn, and in this community center, village officials saw that this 18-year-old woman was arrested for theft of 
uh, a baby Jesus. <laughs> and this is happening all around the country. So a very ingenious marketer have decided that we will help the holiday rash of thefts for baby Jesus. So they're putting GPS chips in baby Jesus now. And so that when they're gone, you can find where they are. I think I need a GPS on my billfold. Some of you need a GPS on everything. You're always looking, at, did, did I leave it here? Did I leave my glasses here? You know, we need that. But they're, they're doing that just to present the, prevent people from stealing baby Jesus. You know what? It seems like there are a lot of thieves that are trying to steal Jesus out of the Christmas holiday commercialism, family get-togethers, everything is just trying to just pluck him right out of the middle of his own celebration. You know, there was a, a great painter in the past by the name of Leonardo da Vinci. His famous painting was The Last Supper. And if you look at that painting or replica of it, you see that the Lord's hands are empty. One of the hands is right here, and the other is held up, and they're empty. But it didn't start out that way. When da Vinci dedicated three years to this painting, he was determined that it would be his crowning work. Before the unveiling, he decided to show it to a friend whose opinion he had the utmost respect. The friend's praise was unbounded, and the friend said this, The cup in Jesus' hand, he said, is especially beautiful. Disappointed, at once da Vinci began to paint out the cup. Astonished, the distinguished friend asked for an explanation, and da Vinci said this, nothing must detract from the figure of Jesus Christ. Nothing detract from Jesus. Oh, my friend, Christ is preeminent with the Father. He is preeminent over all the creation. He is the preeminent one over the church. The question is, is he preeminent in your life? Or do you just add him to the life that you're always living? Oh yeah, and I got a little bit of Jesus thrown in too. No. Is he preeminent over your spending? Is he preeminent over your thought life? Is he preeminent in your relationships? Does he have first place in your words? Is he preeminent in how you use your time and your finances and your entertainment choices? Does Jesus Christ have first place in everything in your life? That's the painting that Jesus, that Paul is trying to give us here in Colossians. He is the first of all creation, don't you think? that he ought to have first place in your heart. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for your precious word. I pray that God, that the Lord Jesus Christ would be preeminent in this church. May nothing we do detract from his image as being the head. I pray that God, that Jesus Christ would have first place in every person that's assembled here today and and if he's not, I pray that God, your Holy Spirit, would reveal an area in our life where we need to change. We need to put Jesus first there. Because when he is put in that place, everything else flows naturally in life. I pray 
God speak to hearts today. Let's stand together as we sing.